Well, welcome to our visitors. Today's an exciting day, not only because of uh, Jeff's ordination, but also because we have our Christmas fellowship and cookie swap uh, after this, so hopefully you can stay and enjoy that. Uh, next week for Christmas, we're going to be worshiping in pods at people's homes. Thank you to the hosts. Uh, King's Cross, I really want to encourage you to join one of these, not only because it's Sunday, but because it's such a precious chance uh, for us to practice Sabbath together, reflecting on the birth of our Savior. Uh, there's no other source of hope than him, and we get to have that as a family on Christmas morning. So I hope you can join us. If you're not planning to join a pod, would you consider going to another church service? Just want you to receive the gospel and worship somewhere, even if it's not with us. Well, let's turn to Scripture, our last sermon in the Advent Rest series. I'm going to be brief today. Uh, Brother Jeffrey is going to lead us to the table for the first time at the end, and then we'll spend some time later in fellowship, uh, as I said. So it'll be brief, but we are going to look into God's Word. So Hebrews chapter 4, again, verses 12 to 13, and I'll read it for us. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, Let's pray together. Dear God, as we think about Sabbath and rest one last time this year, teach us what it means to be anchored in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, next year, Amy and I will restart our gym membership. New year, new rows. Uh, January 1st. January 1st, we'll see you all there. January 2nd, something will probably come up and we'll catch up with you uh, some other time. Um, Sorry, I just got this mixed up here. Well, uh, 11 years ago, uh, when I was work, actually working out, believe it or not, uh, I was at the gym with my friend Antoine, God bless him. We were doing lat pulldowns. And during one of my sets, I left my hoodie on another machine and an employee came up to me and he used more colorful language, but he said, dude, get your stuff off the machine. And at that age, I was dealing with a lot of insecurity, issues with masculinity. I wanted to be the tough guy. So with all this testosterone worked up in me, I put the weight down. I puffed my chest up to him and said, what did you say to me? This is, this is how you talk to people? Uh, and like I said, the, the words were slightly different. I can't say them uh, at, at this moment. But it became heated. And right at that moment, Antoine uh, pulled me out of the gym. He grabbed me and he said, what are you doing? You're a brother in Christ. Uh, let it go. Forgive him. And you're good. And he helped me calm down and iron it out with the employee in a gentler way. Uh, you see, in that moment, my friend wasn't just pushing back on my actions. He was challenging the way I thought about myself, about others, and about being strong, whatever that means. Uh, he humbled me with grace. And we need those kind of friends in our life, right? People who care enough about our growth uh, that they would say things straight up. Here's the main question for today's sermon. What does it look like for God's word to shape us and equip us to shape each other in love for rest. What does it look like for God's word to shape us and equip us to shape each other in love for rest? Three points. Number one, the word speaks. Number two, the word pierces. And number three, the word brings truth. First, the word speaks. Uh, some of the most random 
arguments between Amy and me come from disagreements about how to order takeout food. Uh, she says, Joshua, they have an app. Can't we do it online? And I said, no, nah, you got to call them, you know, ask them how they're doing and then tell them what we want verbally. Uh, she, sometimes she says to me, why are you calling your friend? Don't you guys text? Uh, I said, no, nah, there's something about hearing the voice and the cadence of a loved one. Uh, back in the day, we memorized each other's landlines just to talk. 201-886-0869, Duke Kong. That was my fa- uh, best friend growing up. See, when somebody makes time for you um, and you get into an organic conversation with them, laughter, tears, affection, anger, whatever it is, in person or at least on a call, uh, something happens in real time. Maybe you learn new information or your perspective changes or you experience vulnerability in a different way than if you were to read something online. What does it mean that the Word of God is living and active? Uh, see, it, it doesn't just say it's written and recorded. It, is, it says it's, the word is living and active. It's continuing to do something uh, even after it was written down. Uh, it's something that has power to speak to us organically if we open up to it. Now, the main way we have access to his word today is the Bible, right? How do we read the Bible? What's our approach and what's our expectation of it, if we're honest? family of God, in your Christian walk, I want to encourage you to keep in mind the Bible is supposed to be a completely different category of text than any other document we have. It's not like a memo or an article or a novel. Uh, No, it's its own thing because it carries power, Uh, not in a magical way, but but because God speaks through it into our hearts supernaturally. Uh, I have nothing against Bible apps or websites. I use them. But one reason I want to suggest reading from a physical Bible sometimes is that it helps separate Scripture from the stuff we read on the screen, and it reminds our eyes and our hands that, again, the Bible is a different category of experience than any other written source we have. And once we start believing that, that the Bible can actually do something to us and reveals more of God, our expectation of it starts to change. Uh, we become more curious about what it will do. What, what does the Word have in store for me today? How, how is it going to guide me today? Uh, so that's the first step in opening up. Um, right? But another thing that's crucial here is that the Bible's also not going to be one-day shipping. Um, sometimes it, there's this consumer mindset in us that says, we pay, we get. Uh, if we put in the cost, it should produce the good. Uh, but when it comes to Scripture, we might have to deprogram that part of us, because it's true when we open up scripture, it can do something to us, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to show results right away like a jukebox. Um, When scripture talks about change, a lot of times it uses botanical language, like how a plant grows. Uh, A couple months ago, somebody gave us their fiddle leaf fig. They said, please take good care of it. We're moving away. And we brought it home and almost killed it, uh, leaves falling off, branches uh, drooping. Uh, so after a while, we gave up and handed it to Sharon. I think she's in here. And she gave it some TLC, and now it's thriving, uh, new leaves budding. And we thank God for Sharon's uh, green thumb. The seed, uh, soil, regular watering, exposure to light, and patience over time contributes to the gradual growth of a plant. And you see the results as you check on it, but the process of growth is not supposed to be visible to the naked eye. Pastor Tim Keller says, why do we say to a kid, oh, I think you've grown? We say, I think, because we can't actually see her grow in real time, but we notice how she looks different than a year ago. In the same way, there's a seed of a verse 
the regular exposure to a passage, the watering of the gospel message as we give ourselves to the living word of God regularly, asking questions, studying and waiting. And as our sensitivity grows with the spirit, we start to notice over time certain passages are important to us now or we've grown in particular areas of our character and we're learning how to rest more in him. See, see, that's what it means that the word speaks, living and active, shaping us from the root, invisibly, but surely over time. Will you make yourself available to that? Will you make time for that and expect that? I know you can't see it, but it can happen. The word speaks. Second, the word pierces. Uh, what does it say? The word is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, joints and marrow. Uh, there are a couple reasons for the sword metaphor. One is that the two-edged sword is extra sharp, sharp enough to pierce, and when it pierces, it hurts. Um, I recently found out about something called fizzing a fish. I don't know if you heard of it. Uh, sometimes when fish come up to the surface of the water from the deep, their swim bladder, which is an organ that helps them float, expands to an abnormal size due to the sudden change in water pressure. And when that happens, it makes the fish flip upside down, unable to swim, and it causes damage to the internal organs. So fizzing a fish means taking a sharp needle and slightly puncturing the swim bladder to relieve the pressure and allow the fish to turn upright and swim freely. Uh, walking in the Word is a gradual, long-term process that transforms you. That's true. It's living and active. Uh, but another thing to keep in mind is that it's going to be painful sometimes. Um, it's not designed to be inspirational pick-me-ups. Because sometimes what the Word has in store for us is to confront us and pierce through our messed-up parts to make us better. See, on our physical bodies, some damage can be taken care of with a Band-Aid uh, or ointment. But sometimes it requires stitching up with a needle or even surgery with a blade. Um, and in the safe space of you and scripture, you're going to have to be open to the stuff that stings. Uh, for example, when it talks about God's judgment and idolatry, exposing people's rebellion without a happy ending, uh, how does that hold a mirror up to your addictions and obsessions during this time? And the words going to have moments of comfort and peace, but equally important to those are the times when you're confronted with your bitterness or your self-absorption or your neglectfulness. What stings when somebody points it out to you? Uh, what flaws do you feel ashamed about? It's not always safe to share these things with everybody. Some people are not mature enough to handle that. But with the word, bringing these things to your attention and your meditations, you can allow yourself to accept that and move to repentance with God. Uh, let the word sting you so that you can finally experience freedom in those areas of struggle one day. Face those things with him. Another reason for the two-edged sword metaphor is that it gets to all parts of us, joints and marrow, all our thoughts and intentions. Uh, sometimes it feels like our struggles are just at the level of behavior. Uh, uh, oh, I should stop being lazy or I should break this bad habit. But you know, we're complex. We have a past. Uh, we have an upbringing, wounds, fears, and, and there are ways we want to be loved. And the word pushes us to look at all these areas of us, deeper than just our behavior, even if it's too painful, uh, because it, it helps us learn how to process and understand ourselves. Uh, for example, the toxic generational patterns passed down from God's people to God's people in the Old Testament, parents to kids, and how that affects people's insecurities. What, what does that bring up in your mind, your life? Uh, 
or how, how Jesus' disciples' impulse react to different crisis situations based on their fears. What does that bring up in your heart? These are the kinds of conversations you might have to have with yourself in prayer, but he wants you to go there with him in those moments, digging deep so that you might have the self-knowledge and processing that brings you to self-love and God's love and compassion for other people like you. That, that's hard and it stings, but it's important. So the word pierces lastly, the word brings truth. So after talking about the word specifically, the passage moves to God's knowledge in general, right? One day, everything, all thoughts, motives, and intentions are going to be exposed in the day of judgments. Nothing's hidden from his sight. Now, now, why does the author say that? Well, it relates to the earlier part of chapter four, where it talks about us striving to enter eternal rest so that we don't fall into disobedience in this life right? We're staying grounded in Jesus' rest. We're fighting the restlessness of sin, and we're setting our hope on the future. But, but not only that, like a team marathon, we're holding on to each other, uh, keeping each other accountable not to slip or hide, and we're helping each other not go the wrong way. Well, one of the ways we can strive together like that is once again through the Word. There's a phrase I need you to remember today. Um, it's the prophethood of all believers, um, that means if you're following Jesus, you have the ability to pre- preach truth and the word as prophets, not just Pastor Norman or Pastor Jeff or me or any other reverend. Just yesterday, Bonita and Lisa were speaking deep truth to me. They were preaching to me. You are a prophet for the community. And what does that mean? We already talked about how the word speaks to you um, in those intimate moments over time. We talked about how the word pierces, leading you to face hard things. But once the word starts working in you like that, it doesn't just stay in you. It moves out of you and you become a loving prophet to other people. When you become well acquainted with the Bible over time, how certain passages speak to you at different stages or how a story relates to your life, you can share that with somebody as you hear more about their life. And when you're aware of which topics each book speaks about, you can walk with your sisters and brothers through whatever's relevant to them. And of course, they can do that for you. See, sometimes when we're walking together, we don't know what to say. But what we do have is our experience with Scripture. And going through a text or two in prayer could provide clarity and wisdom in ways our own words might not. Uh, But again, that flows from our own experience with Scripture. So two applications, and then I'm going to sit down for our brother Jeffrey to take us to the Lord's table. First, one of my counseling professors described the Bible as a bookcase with many shelves. Uh, Some readings are going to be on a higher shelf. It takes more bandwidth and energy to reach them with our heart and mind. Um, um, uh, Sorry about that. Uh, maybe these are the heavier texts on the, on, on the higher shelves. When Jesus says in Matthew, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. That's a tough one, and it makes us examine our faith and our works. But some readings are going to be on the lower shelves. It's a little easier to reach, like Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Um, in some seasons in our lives, uh, we're going to have the emotional and spiritual bandwidth to be able to get to those higher shelves. Uh, but in some seasons... We're going to be so in pain and tired and wounded uh, that all we can do is go to the bottom shelf to feel God's presence. Um, But the point I want to make here is we spend a lot of time with the Word. We begin to detect which readings are on which shelf, which readings have particular traits, and that equips us to listen better to our sisters and brothers. What is my family going through? What is my community asking? And what scripture can I bring to them? Uh, That's one way you can apply being a prophet 
to the community. And one last application is don't be afraid to have hard conversations. Uh, when it says all will be exposed, and we strive together to not let people slip, uh, part of that is having hard conversations with each other. Um, we don't use scripture to shame or correct each other's behavior. Uh, that's never a helpful thing to do, but uh, we have scripture to keep ourselves grounded in truth. We stay close to his voice, pray over it, and then we have the messy and awkward conversations in community sometimes. Uh, hey, when you said this or did this, it made me feel blank. Um, I'm sorry that when I did blank, it hurt you. Will you forgive me? Yeah. I think blank is making you lose sight of Christ right now, or I'm struggling with this, can you help me? And when these hard conversations start to unfold as a result of our walk in the word and prayer over time, we emerge, hopefully, with more compassion for each other, however long it takes. And this place starts to become safer, more real, and ultimately more restful with each other. Would you consider that uh, in your walk? Family of God, would we consider becoming a community like that as we face another year with him? Uh, before we go to the table, I want to direct us to John 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word became flesh. Uh, the Word is not only something we read, but it's a person. All of Scripture represents Jesus. And so really in those moments when we spend time with Scripture, it's Jesus himself personally speaking to us, his spirit piercing us, his hand keeping us together. He's the one in charge of shepherding King's cross, all of us toward rest, and he will do it because he's the faithful word of God. He was born a baby, he lived among us, and he went to the cross. That means he's going to lead us home as well. So trust him, listen for his voice, reading and praying and communing, and he will help you in times of need, especially during the hard things.